Hey gardeners, welcome back to the Gardeners with Altitude podcast. I'm your host, Regina Hitchcock. In this episode, I'm going to be discussing soil tests and amending your, of your native soil. Remember, any resources that I discuss on the podcast will be linked or mentioned in the description of each episode. You can also visit our website, www.gardenerswithaltitude.com. For more information on this topic or any other topic from the podcast, um, as well as a full transcript of this podcast and any other episode that you are interested in. With that said, let's just jump right into today's topic. So soil, particularly in our area, is a very, very important aspect to your garden. Um, You have several different parts of soil, characteristics of soil that we're going to discuss today include the tilth of the soil, which is basically the amount of sand, silt, and clay that you have, as well as any organic material that you happen to have in your soil. Um, Our native soil, depending on where you live, can be extremely clayey which would mean that it would be very heavy, very sticky, very slimy when it's wet. Um, And on the other end of the spectrum, you could have very, very sandy soil. And just it just really depends on where you're living. So this is why a soil test itself is incredibly important, because you just can't go by a rule of thumb. Um, Besides the sand and clay content, you have a pH to work with. Now if you remember your high school chemistry lessons, pH is a determination of how acidic or how alkaline or basic something is. Now in Arizona, most soil is very basic. Um, For the most part, the pH is anywhere between 8 and 8.6. Just kind of, again, depends a little bit on where you are. Um, but it's usually very, very basic. Now, pH by itself is not necessarily a problem, but certain nutrients are locked out. They're not available for your plants at a high pH. Or on the flip side, if you were back east, you could say the same thing about a really low pH, anything under about 6. But we don't really have that problem here. So amending your soil is going to also be of fight against your pH. Now there are a lot of soil amendments that not only add organic material um, or improve the tilth of your soil, but also can help adjust the pH, but it's not a permanent fix. Unless you're gonna do raised beds, you're gonna be adding something pretty regularly to keep your soil pH down in kind of a neutral range. Most plants really have a sweet spot about 6.5 to 7, 7 being neutral. Uh, A lot of nutrients are more available between 6.5 and 7. Your macronutrients aren't greatly impacted by the pH, you know, your nitrogen, your phosphorus, and your potassium. But things like boron, um, calcium, if you've ever had a problem with blossom end rot, Calcium, you know, can sometimes be a problem. Magnesium. And one really big one that you wouldn't be, you would be a little bit surprised to find out is your iron is actually locked out from your plants at about 8.1. Now, 
My soil in my garden I have been amending for multiple years. Um, my oldest bed I think is 16 years old, 17 years old. Uh, I still can't keep the pH down at 7, but it is better. It's about 7.4. I still, every once in a while, particularly later in the year when some of the amendments have kind of worn out or been used up by the plants, I still have to adjust my soil a little bit because I get kind of a chlorosis on the ends of my leaves, which signifies either a nitrogen deficiency, which happens quite frequently, or an iron deficiency. Um, you have to get a specific kind of iron called chelated iron in order to make it available for plants at a higher pH, or you can just try to avoid um, having to do that by just adjusting your soil pH, which is easier said than done, as you'll learn. So we've talked a little bit about tilth, and I'll go more into that here in just a minute. Talked a little bit about pH, and then we're going to talk about the macronutrients in depth. So the macronutrients are nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. I will tell you this. If you have not done anything with your soil in a while, if you've got virgin soil perhaps, maybe you've just recently moved into the area, or maybe you're just starting out as a gardener, maybe you're just starting a garden plot or even growing crops, I'm just going to tell you your soil is lacking in nitrogen. That's just the way it is. We don't have a whole lot of organic material in our soil, which is where the nitrates kind of um, arise from, is decomposing organic material. And so the first thing that you do when you get a soil test is you're gonna find that your nitrogen is pretty low and a lot of people recommend to go and throw a bunch of manure on your soil. If it's well composted manure, that's probably an okay suggestion. However, if you want to improve your soil as like a long-term plan, you're going to want to add a little bit more than that. So the first thing that I'll kind of go in depth in is the soil test itself. Okay, the Cooperative Extension, my cows are at the Cooperative Extension, can do a soil test for you. They are typically free. He will usually come out to your place or have you bring a soil sample to him. You should give him a call. Um, I'll have the link to the website, to their website, and then I will also have a phone number for you to call him. My garden club also does soil tests. Um, we've got several different classes coming up that you can attend that you can actually bring your soil and get that tested. Um, but if you're you know, listening to this after the end of March 2021, you're probably not, that's not gonna apply to you. So you can always get a hold of my cows are at the Cooperative Extension or whoever happens to be at the Cooperative Extension and see if they'll do a soil test for you. Um, you also can purchase small soil tests at the feed store, at Walmart, at Home Depot, Lowe's. And basically what it is is that, and every one of them has their own instructions. So you need to follow the instructions very carefully because the one that I have um, and the one that we do with the, with the Cooperative Extension is a little bit different than a home test one that you're going to purchase at the feed store or Home Depot. So just follow the instructions. But basically what they are is they tell you to get a soil sample 
and you either mix it with water or you mix it with the chemicals that are in the kit, the soil test kit. And the, the instructions will tell you exactly what to do, but as a general rule, you're going to mix them, you're going to let them sit, and then you're going to compare the, the color of the result with a standard color chart. And that's going to give you a level of pH, which I can almost guarantee it's above 8. You're going to get your level of nitrogen. You're going to get your level of potassium and your level of phosphorus. And depending on what your levels are, you're going to use different soil amendments for those things. So the one thing that the home soil test kits do not tell you is the tilth of your soil or the texture of your soil. So the easiest way to do that, and there's, there's instructions online, but I have found that if I take about a half a cup of soil, and you wanna get it down, you wanna get your soil sample down where the root zone is, so about four to five, maybe six inches below the surface of the soil, and you're gonna get a good sample from wherever it is that you're going to be growing your vegetables, or growing your fruits, whatever it is that you're putting in. Um, if you have several places in your yard that you're going to be planting things, you'll want to take a sample from each area and mix it up. You want a total of about a cup to a half a cup. I mean, a half a cup to a cup. Sorry about that. Half a cup to a cup of good soil mix. So you want to get that, if you're mixing it up from several different areas, you're going to want to mix it up and then just use a half a cup or so of that mix and you're going to put it into a mason jar. It doesn't matter if it's a quart jar or a pint jar, but I have found if I use a cup of soil, it works better in a quart jar. And if I use a half a cup of soil, it works better in a pint jar. And then you're just going to mix it with your water all the way, fill the, put the soil into the jar, fill it the rest of the way with water, and then shake the daylights out of it. Make sure that you have a cap on that's pretty tight so that you don't get muddy water everywhere. But then shake the heck out of it for probably three, four minutes. You want to make sure that anything that is clumpy is dissolved. If there's any um, like little dirt clods, if there's any rocks, whatever. You want to make sure that they get really, really separated with the water. And then you're going to set that jar aside for at least an hour. Um, a, lot of, a lot of soil experts recommend overnight. And depending on how much clay that you have, you might want to set it aside overnight. If there's a high clay content, it's going to take a long time to settle. So overnight would work. But if you're, if you're in an area, say, um, out by the sand wash, uh, up towards Witch Wells, towards Springerville, St. John's is probably the clayiest place. But any of the rest of those areas, you might have less clay. And you might be able to get a good soil test result in like an hour. But then what you're going to do to find out your clay content, your tilth, your texture, is draw lines where you see the lines on your jar. You'll, this will make sense when you're actually doing it. So just trust me on this one. I'll put some links in the podcast um, description as well. But you'll, you'll mark lines on the jar with a Sharpie or other permanent marker and where the delineation between the different kinds of soil texture are. The sand is going to be the heaviest and it's going to be towards the bottom. Then you're going to have some silt 
just about everywhere has a little bit of silt and then you're going to have your clay which is going to be the very finest particles kind of at the very top layer of that then you'll have your water and if there's any organic matter it'll either be floating on top of the water um, or it'll be sitting on top of the clay so then you're just going to compare the amounts of that and you really can do a mathematical little equation um, divide the length of or the distance of the lines by the whole distance of the soil anyway I'll put a I'll put a description in the link that kind of shows you exactly how to do that but um that'll give you percentages of of clay percentages of sand and percentages of silt and then you'll compare that to a chart that'll tell you if you have clay loam or if you have sandy loam or if you have silty loam you'll have that kind of description and that'll give you an idea of how much organic matter that you probably should add to your soil now that's the first step the first step is getting your soil tilth because if you don't have a lot of organic material you're going to want to add organic material and organic material is not only going to improve the texture of your soil but it's going to bring your soil's pH a little closer to neutral no matter whether it was acidic or alkaline it's going to bring it a little closer to neutral and I'll tell you how It's kind of a little scientific chemistry thing but it's very cool so the microbes in the soil will begin to break down the organic material that you add and as they break it down their bodily wastes um, things like carbon dioxide things like manures those kinds of things are going to be released into your soil um, it combats not only acidity and alkalinity but it will also help to improve your nitrogen level the bacteria as they grow they will help to produce some nitrates which your plants can then use um, it's kind of a cool process things like compost especially if it's pretty well composted things like manure those are all excellent additives to your soil to improve the texture of your soil it also does like I said help to improve the pH it helps to add different nutrients depending on where you get your compost or manure from different nutrients definitely more on nitrogen okay and so once your soil texture has been improved and you'll you'll notice that some things some other things have been improved as well um, as far as nutrients go if your soil test results show you that you're low in nitrogen again the first thing that you want to focus on is organic materials things like manures and compost are very high in nitrogen but keep in mind nitrogen flows through the soil faster than any other nutrient so you're not going to just add nitrogen one time you're not going to just add compost one time you're not going to just add manure one time you're going to be doing this every single growing season because your plants need readily available nitrogen every year some places if you if you're growing in soil that's really depleted like you do your soil test and there's no color whatsoever um, it for the nitrogen test you may end up having to do nitrogen and add nitrogen several times throughout each growing season some organic other organic forms of nitrogen include blood meal I use it frequently um, it goes through the soil very very quickly the one downside is if you don't have your garden fenced off the blood meal is appealing to predators things like coyotes 
things like wild dogs, things like cats, they really like the scent of that. They really like the taste of it and they have a tendency to come into your garden if you don't get it incorporated into the soil very well. So I just want to caution you about that. I love blood meal. I think it works really well. It's readily available to the plants like within a week. They are, you, you can see an improvement in your plants once you apply blood meal. Um, for potassium, one of the things that I use, um, and it actually does add quite a bit of, I feel like it, it, it changes the pH as well, brings it down just a little bit, um, is blood meal and also green sand. Now, green sand is a little bit harder to find for us around here, um, but you can order it online from like Amazon or whatever. But um, it is a really good thing to add for potassium. Um, kelp is also very, very good to add for potassium. Kelp meal or seaweed fertilizers. They are fairly non-smelly. They're really high quality fertilizers and they are sustainable. And so a lot of times we see people adding, you know, Osmocote or um, miracle Grow, And I have nothing against those kinds of fertilizers. Absolutely nothing. However, synthetic fertilizers do have a lot of salts in them. And the salts can build up in the soil. And those salts, as they're building up in the soil, they're also locking out the natural nutrients that come from the natural breaking down of organic material. So even though they're excellent for very quick, um, season-wide kind of nutrient additions, a lot of times continuing to add synthetic fertilizers will actually deplete your soil of natural nutrients and micronutrients, things like boron and calcium, and can make your soil worse over time. So I'm definitely not saying don't use them. Definitely not saying that. I'm just saying that if you're going to use synthetic fertilizers also, just it, it's a good idea to kind of balance them out with some organics as well and not rely only on synthetic fertilizers just because you are feeding the life in your soil as well. You're feeding the microbes. You're not just feeding your plants. So that's really, really important. Um, as far as other sources of potassium now i'm gonna i'm gonna say this with a uh, i don't know with caution okay because you can search online and you can find any of this information um, a really good source of potassium is wood ashes however wood ashes are extremely extremely alkaline if you think about the lye that our pioneer ancestors used to make soap, it came from dripping water through wood ashes and it will burn your skin right off, okay? So keep in mind that if you have alkaline soil already, yeah, there are sources online that are going to say wood ashes are a great idea and it's true. However, it does also raise your soil pH even more than it is already. So I definitely do not recommend wood ashes unless you are on the East Coast where your soil is more acidic. So opt for something like kelp, um, green sand, 
you can do um, a lot of your ocean waste, things like crab shells, things like some fish fertilizers. Those kinds of things add potassium and don't adjust your soil pH up like wood ashes would. Okay, so I definitely recommend if you're gonna go an organic route, do things like green sand, kelp meal, those kinds of things. The other big soil nutrient that we're looking at in our soil is phosphorus. Now there are a lot of different ways that you can get phosphorus. Again, lots of manures have phosphorus, particularly composted steer manures. They have a lot of phosphorus. Um, rock phosphate is actually a powder that you can put on the soil and because it is pulverized rock, um, it is still water soluble, but it does take a little bit longer to release. So it kind of acts like a, a long release, a slow release fertilizer. So it's really, really good. Um, phosphate doesn't flow through the soil very quickly. So once you have a good source or once you have a good level of it, it pretty, it tends to stay pretty high. You know, it tends, tends to stay stable for a lot longer than something like nitrogen. Um, bone meal is also a great place where you can find um, phosphate. I use bone meal, blood meal, I use green sand, I use kelp, I use fish fertilizers, I use seaweed fertilizers. There's a lot of different things um, where you can get these minerals and these nutrients for your plants. Um, but I do highly recommend rock phosphate. If you have a phosphate deficiency, it's not real common around here, I'll be honest with you, it's not real common. Um, but if you do have a deficiency, rock phosphate and bone meal are really, really good for that. They last for a very long time, they release very, very slowly, and they, they stick around. They don't tend to be needing to be adjusted the way that nitrogen does. So that's about it for today, you guys. Um, I, I covered the soil tilth, the best thing that you can do to add some texture to your soil is compost or manure, that's also going to help to bring your pH down a little bit. Um, one other thing I didn't mention, and it, it adds several things to your garden at the same time, is gypsum. Okay, gypsum is available anywhere, and if you happen, this is gonna sound crazy, but if you happen to have gypsum board, meaning drywall, around your house, um, from like a home improvement project or whatever, you can pulverize that with a hammer you know, even just in a regular bag, and you can add that to your soil. And not only will it help to bring the soil pH down just a little bit, but it also helps to get the nutrients flowing through clay. So it kind of will help that your soil to get a little bit more um, water retention as well as drainage if you have heavy clay. It also adds a little bit of phosphate as well. And calcium, because again, it is gypsum so it adds quite a bit I wouldn't put like four inch layer of it or anything like that but a nice little dusting if you if you just happen to have it around gypsum is a really good um, option you can also purchase gypsum at your local hardware store or your local feed store I believe like Home Depot big box stores I think they have it as well we talked a little bit about pH how we want to make sure that we monitor the pH it will change dramatically the more water that you're able to add to it, the more stable that pH will become. Um, we talked a little bit about nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, and some organic sources of those things. So I hope that you were able to glean something from this podcast. 
Um, just like any other time, if you want a full transcript of this podcast, you can find it on www.gardenerswithaltitude.com and you will be able to get any links and any recommendations that I have as well. So until next time, you guys, happy gardening.